Are you a teacher or teaching assistant? Are you looking for your next role within education? LTF Recruitment specialise in the long term and permanent for schools across the Midlands and London. We currently work with over 200 schools and have helped nearly 500 people into new roles. For more information, visit ltfrecruitment.co.uk. Welcome to the Talk Derbyshire podcast. I'm Blake Fellows. We've got Tommy Johnson for you today. This is a really popular one from what people have said on on social media. A bit before my time, but I still appreciate everything he did for Derby. They obviously played at Wembley, scored some brilliant goals and played an amazing Derby team. So I understand the excitement. It's a really good story. So keep listening for that. Thank you to our sponsors, Connect Red. Thanks to Dan and Chloe at Connect Red for for sponsoring us and backing us as they always do uh, to Elite Football Development and to LTF Recruitment so thank you to all of them they make it happen I'm going to keep this one short because it's a really good podcast I want to keep it under an hour so here's Tommy Johnson so welcome on to talk over to me Tommy Johnson super Tommy Johnson how are you in these in these strange times Okay, Blake, thanks. Yeah, working away as usual. Yeah, bit of snow outside, so a bit cold, but yeah, just cracking on at the minute, cracking on with work. What is work for you at the minute? I'm at Blackpool, head of recruitment, so I've been in scouting now for about 10 years. So I went there about 18 months ago. So it's just basically watching games on the laptop at the minute because we can't uh, get out get out live games because of the pandemic. So it's uh, just sitting in front of the laptop and dealing with agents and watching players. Is it a difficult job at the minute? Because we've had quite a few ex-players. I think Lee Camp, who's the goalkeeper, he's looking for a club and he's he said it, how difficult things are at the minute recruitment-wise. Is it is it your job more difficult with the current situation? Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm one of them scouts who likes to get out and watch games, watch players in the warm-up and all that and just being out in the fresh air, to be honest. And, you know, it, it's a... Bit of a nightmare with no crowds as well. And there's certain games we can get to, but you can get a feel of a player by watching them on on the laptop. But uh, nothing beats getting to games. So, yeah. But everybody's in the same position. Blake, to be honest, it's 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 uh, strange times to say the least. When we do this, normally we always start right at the very beginning with your your earliest football memories. Can you remember first getting involved in football and and first really playing? What, when I was a little young'un? Yeah, was... really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your first memories. <laughs> yeah, I was very young. Where we lived, there was a field at the back of the garden, uh, over the garden. And earliest memories of just playing football with the lads, you know, the slope was like that. So, And it was mainly older kids, you know. I think I started, I think my mum and dad said I used to just go out all the time and just play because you could see everybody, you could see from the back window on the football pitch, do you know what I mean? So it was one of them. You just played with with all the lads and in them days it was just whether it was young, very old or what, everyone just mixed in and it just grew from there. I think I've been told by my parents that ever since I could walk, it was just football, football, football. Was it always gonna be a footballer then? You, there was nothing else in your mind. It was always gonna be Tommy Johnson's gonna be a footballer. Yeah, I would like to think so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, but, but whether it materialised, you don't know, do you? There's 
so many factors that come into it. But as I started getting older and playing for the school district, Sunday team, playing for the county, and then at 13, 14, it's totally different then, wasn't it? We went down for trials. There was no academies. It was just going down during school holidays, going to various clubs on trial. And then if they liked you, you'd sign schoolboy forms. And then if you were fortunate as well to, to be offered an apprenticeship as well. So totally different to now to what it is. You know, you look at all the academies around and the kids are, from under eight, under nines, and then training two, three times a week with the clubs, with all the all the club attire on and all that. Yeah, totally different in my day. How did you end up coming down all the way down to Notts County then at Newcastle? Did you ever have the opportunity to stay more local up there or did you want to get away at that age? Yeah, the opportunity Newcastle wanted us. I went over for a couple of trials and they offered me an apprenticeship as well, but we had a scout in the northeast from Notts County, John Allen, uh, it was brilliant. He, I was fortunate enough to get trials at Knotts and from the first week that I went there during the school holidays, I think I was just before my 14th birthday during the Christmas holidays and I loved it. I loved everything about the club, small club, family club. It was, uh, and then as I progressed, you were playing in the reserves at 15 and then coming down sometimes at weekends and playing for the youth team. I just felt at home there from the first time I come down. And as I said, I did Newcastle one it is. But as I've mentioned many times before, my me, me train of thought was being at a smaller club, if I did progress well and hopefully did make it as a pro footballer, I'd probably have a chance of getting in the first team earlier. And nothing against Newcastle. I absolutely love the place. You know, I'm a Geordie through and through. But I just, if I didn't like it away from home, Blake, I could always go back. But I would have probably regretted it if I didn't go away and have it and see other places and see what it was like. Probably a lot more pressure on us if I'd signed for Newcastle with all my family and friends up there. But I've come down here and I, and I still live here. So even though I've, I've travelled around a bit in my time, I'm still in the Midlands. So it's uh, I've always said I've made the right decision. You know, Notts was a great grounding for us. and It was uh, a great start of my career and I, and I wouldn't have changed it even now. You mentioned about playing reserve football at like 15, 16 at that time and, and now it's under 23s and obviously you work on, on that side of it, recruitment and stuff. Do you think that's something that's lacking in the game now that the youngsters aren't stepping up and playing against men and you can be 20, 21 now, can't you still not have played a first team game? Totally agree, Blake. Totally agree. It's uh, As I said, when we were playing reserves, it was like the old Central League, shall we say then. So you could be playing against obviously kids your own age. You know, they were, were doing well at other clubs, playing against seasoned pros who had been injured and then coming back, or players who weren't in the first team. When we went in the first team, you 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 played reserves. You know, that was how you got your match fitness. I know it's totally different now with the squad sizes and they don't want players to get injured and all that. But yeah, I go and watch some under twenty three games, and I'm 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 bored. You know, it's tippy tappy. Uh, you know, Derby do it the right way, to be fair, under Darren Russell. And, and I know Gary's here now, Gary Boyer, who I've worked with and grew up with when we were youngins. And they have a right go. Leicester do as well. You know, I've seen Forrest. And, but some of the some of the games are boring, shall we say. But And, and you've just mentioned, they're playing against kids their own age. You know, where 
and players are a lot more technically better than when we played. But you need more than that. You need a good attitude. Or you need, you know, some a bit of heart and and getting stuck in. Do you know they don't get it? And I said, and I might be an old fossil, but I just believe it the old way where we when we played it. it you had to be quicker. You had to, your decision making had to be quicker. You know, to get away from a, a Brian Kilcline, shall we say, or Craig Short, you know, who was going to kick lumps out of you. And you had to make that decision a lot quicker. So I think it, it, it helped us, definitely. And, and then you said, yes, uh, whether they'll go back to changing it, I don't know. But uh, but I definitely preferred uh, ours in the old days. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned quite a bit on this podcast. And, and Rama tells me stories about... Um, like playing in the central league at the baseball ground and it'd be like 10,000 people there on a Wednesday night and it was a massive thing and that's your that's kind of your link from just being a 16 year old kid to, to men's football and I've, I've watched quite a bit of Derby on the 23s and like you say Derby do it right and they, they get people in and around the squad but you play Chelsea and there's a 21 year old lad and you, you have to google who it is and it's a lad five years into his his adult career and you yeah it just seemed like a lot of a lot of stockpiling and stuff like that as well goes on but it wasn't. It wasn't like that for you, was it? Sixteen. It was it sixteen when you signed for for Notts County, proper then. Yeah, uh, I signed. Well, my dad wouldn't let us sign for ages, you know, because he wanted obviously he wanted us to go to Newcastle. But uh, it took a lot of persuading, and and I've just held firm and says, no, I'm not. I'm not going to Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? This is where I want to be. But in the end, he gave in, and years later, to be fair to him, he did say to the scout that I'd made the right decision. Uh, yeah, I signed when I signed schoolboys that offered me already offered me an apprenticeship anyway to go with it. So as soon as I left school, yeah, so that was me, July 1987 was was down here in Diggs and that was the start of it. So you signed at 16 and how old was you when you first scored at Wembley? 19? Yep. Wow. It, so that's it, a, that's, again, you got to grow up quite quick, haven't you? And before you know it, you're still at 19. You're still really a kid, aren't you, at 19? It was yeah, it was just a whirlwind from the start, Blake, to be honest. You know, you're playing youth team, you're playing reserves. And because the squads were so small that days, it, you know, we were, I was training with the first team, 17, 18, you know, and then started getting in regular. And then, as you said, we got to Wembley in 1990, so I'm 19. And, and then we got to Wembley the following year. And then you're playing in the Premier League, as it is now, in uh 1991 and I'm 20 and it's like oh this is great this is this how it happens every year well, yeah soon realized that it didn't but uh it was a it said a great start in my career you couldn't have, you couldn't have wished for anything better to start with <laughs> yeah you say you soon realize it didn't that's because you ended up signing for Derby I think that happens with a lot of it <laughs> who was the who was the gaffer at that point then at Notts County well John Barnwell went well Jimmy Cyril signed us when I was a schoolboy, and he he left when I started me apprenticeship. John Barnwell was the manager then, and then Neil Warnock. When Neil Warnock come, came in, that was when I when I started being a being a regular in the first team. Uh, Neil Warnock and Mick Jones, obviously, who played at Derby under Brian Clough, he was, was a, his assistant. So that was when I started being in a regular. So we've had quite a few players on, um, obviously, because he's had such a long and varied career. Uh, loads of clubs with Neil Warnock and the stories and. All of everyone has always been best gaffer I've ever played for. Is he? What's he like as a as a manager? His man management was unbelievable. He was great. He knows what how to get the best out of players. 
And he's been labelled with being a long ball merchant. We were, that's because that's the players we had at the time at Notts County, you know, we, but we could play football, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it was a case of, right, okay, he did one quick short passing around the back. No disrespect to the big man, do you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, he can tell you himself. But but then we had Dean Yates alongside him, who obviously played for Derby as well, who could, who was who was very good on the ball. But the gaffer's philosophy was playing the opposition's half. That's where you're going to score your goals. And it worked. And you just look at his record and he's up there definitely, definitely with uh, one of the best man managers I've ever had. Yeah, I think a little bit of what Rooney's done at Derby recently and, and picked the form up is he's, he's come in and he's just been effective. Seen the players he's got and played to their strengths rather than trying to impose a brand of football on players that maybe can't play it. And it, people like Allardyce and, and Warnock who get a bad rap for doing a certain style, it's more it's effective football, isn't it? They're, they're just getting the best out of what they've got and, and winning games. You just said it. You 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 play to what players you've got. If players, if you want to play a passing game, you want to you need to get players in who can play a passing game. Maybe you haven't got the money to do that, so you've got to play to, to the system and and what your players can actually do. And if they can't do it, you you don't do it. So simple game, Blake. You know we're not reinventing the wheel. Exactly. <laughs> so, isn't you've just got to score more more goals than the other team does? But then there's all this talk of false nines and all that now that people and and, and now the long, but it's just unfashionable, isn't it? But if you're winning games, winning games, I don't care how Derby play as long as he as long as you get three points. If you said any Derby fan, what would you want now? Do you want to play free flowing football and get relegated, or it could be a bit naughty at times or not too good to look at, and you avoid relegation and, and get ready for next season? What would they say? Exactly. Avoid relegation and go again next year. Exactly. How does it come about you you leaving Notts County to, to come to Derby County then? Yeah, I'd been there five years at Notts from the start of my apprenticeship. Uh, we'd got into the Premier League as it is now. Uh, and I knew that there was clubs circulating. No, we had a no, uh, not circulating. Clubs are watching. There'd been a few rumours and all that. And... Derby had made the bid and I knew Arthur Cox, not personally, but from his time when he was manager of Newcastle. So I know, you know, I just had total respect for him anyway. And you're looking with the new owner coming in, Lionel Pickering, what they were trying to do, you know, invest in, uh, buy young players, make have a go and try and get into the Premier League. And, you know, I was happy in the area. I was still living in Nottingham. You know, I didn't have to move house or whatever. I, I did move house, but I didn't have to move areas. I knew a few of the lads, you know, Paul Williams, Rama. You know, we played under-21s together for England and we used to go to college together when we were apprentices. So it was just a progression, you know. I've always said I didn't think I was ready for the Premier League at that time. Mm. Yeah, I was still quite, I was still young. I was still 21, even though I was quite experienced game-wise. It was it just seemed a natural progression for us and... Uh, I was I was delighted when uh, when it was all sorted and, and and I moved. We talk about man management with Warnock, and then he, and then obviously Arthur Cox's name is is mentioned. What was he's got to be up there as well, hasn't he? From from what oh, I've heard, yeah, he's brilliant. The gaffer come in when I first went over and sat down and spoke to him. Passionate, enthusiastic. You knew where he stood with the gaffer. You know there was no airs of graces. When you done well, he told you he done well, and when you done weren't up to scratch, he let you know about it. But uh, he was different class. And I said, I had so much respect for him from being at Newcastle and what he'd done up there. 
you know, with the likes of signing Kevin Keegan, Terry McDermott, you know, Gazza when he was there. And he was, he was brilliant. Uh, I, it was, I loved going into training, you know, we had a good team. We were starting to build a, build a team and everything about him was, was different class. Yeah, it's it's amazing because we've had, um, like I say, from that era, a few players on, and no one ever calls him Coxie or Arthur. They always refer to him as the gaffer. It's always the gaffer. That is that a respect thing? I call all my gaffers. Really? Every, every time, every one of well, most of them. Ones I don't like, I don't. <laughs> but well, I hope I don't see them again. You know. What I mean? but, no, uh, I think it's just respect. It is. Yeah. I think we, we were, you'll probably speak to Rama, Paul Williams, and it is, it's a gaffer. You know, I even call Roy gaffer, Roy McFarlane. He was, he was my manager, you know, after he took over from the gaffer. So it's, ju- it's just a respect thing. I think we were brought up in, in that time. It, it, it is total respect. And it's something that's in us. And, you know, I can go back to any gaffer, Martin O'Neill, Neil Warnock, Ryan Little, still call them gaffer. You know, and I and I always will. There's some characters in that dressing room when you arrive at Derby. We've mentioned a couple of them already, like the, the likes of um, Jossie, put like um, Rama and, and players like that. Was it? Was there some big characters knocking about? Oh yeah, Ted, Tin Man, hilarious, and and Gary Mickleway. You know, I'm just going to name them two because I think at first when I came in, I was playing as a winger, so I was there really to take their place. I would have thought, you know, but. We got on so well, you know, Bouses, we used to call Gary McElroy, it was so funny. <laughs> uh, and Ted, you know, I, I was really close, I'm still, I'm really close to Ted. Uh, yeah, because the dressing room was so small at the BBG, that's where we used to get the trip. We, we used to get changed there before we, uh, before we went training at the Ram Arena. It was so small, so there was always something going on, it was, you know close to Kits, you know, I was his best man when Kits, I think Kits signed before me, but we got changed next to each other and we grew up playing together as kids against each other. You mentioned Jossie and Rama, who, you know, who were hilarious in, in their own ways. Uh, we had a good mixture of old and young lads and it, it was a good dressing room, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's incredible. You mentioned, I was going to touch on, I know you've got a close friendship with Ted. Is, is Ted on the mend? I know he... Yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, you know, a regular touch from Marion. He's other half. And, uh, you know, I think I was actually at a derby game when I found out about uh, that he'd got COVID and, and pneumonia. But, uh, yeah, he's on the mend. Hopefully he's back home now. And, you know, fingers crossed uh, everything's going to be all right with him. You not get rid of him yet, will we? God, he's a... <laughs> Well, I was going to say because um, Ted's quite local to me, and I used to see him in the uh, in the bucket. I don't, but in the bucket, and he worked at Derbyshire, the cricket club, and I used to go down and speak to him and stuff. The one question I was going to ask, I was going to touch on it later, but we're talking about it now because we've, his his name's popped up. When you signed for Celtic, he must have wanted to kill you, wasn't he? <laughs> Did he have a... <laughs> well, obviously, being up there and he played there for Rangers, and uh, it's funny enough because Kevin, his son's a Celtic fan, so. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so I wind him up about that. And I used to get him tickets for the games and that. But uh, yeah, he wasn't too happy when I was uh, leaving Villa and you know, I was going to uh, uh, to the best team in Glasgow. <laughs> oh, brilliant. If you end up listening to this, that'd be brilliant. Um, so coming to Derby, one of the first the first big games you played in was obviously the, the Blackburn playoff semi-final. And I know they dropped down. It's, a, it's just before my time, because it's the year I was born. But 
that they dropped down from. <laughs> Sorry, mate. No, you. Oh God, I know I'm old. I was fifty a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh God, where's that gone? <laughs> yeah, apologies. Um, but the Derby raced into it. You scored, uh, and Derby raced into a two-nil lead, and and then it kind of it was a topsy-turvy game from then on, wasn't it? We were flying. It was red hot up there. And as you said, 2 0 up after 20 minutes, flying. They got back. I don't know what it was at half time. Was it 2 2 or 2 1? I think they scored a free kick just before half time. And then, second half, we just we just went. I mean, it was. If I ever seen a game of two halves, it meant more. It was for that game. And. And you still think you can, we could do a job at home, you know? We were confident going into the return leg. Uh, we scored. We got, you know, we got it back to four three on aggregate. But uh, and then they scored to level it, and oh, massive disappointment, massive because I'd obviously just been at Wembley twice, we're not, and won twice. And you think the hardest thing is getting through to the semi final, uh, and it was horrible. And I remember we we were we went out after the game and I was with Ted and and you know how Ted is He's, he likes to laugh and a joke obviously we're all disappointed but that was probably the worst I've seen him he was very very down after that game you know because we should have won uh, and we'll probably go on to the Leicester game as well which was just I don't know what it was it just wasn't to be playoff mm. games yeah you had success yeah see yeah it, it must be hard you losing at Wembley because I've seen Derby lose at Wembley well, it's three times in my lifetime. Obviously, they've won the one, and, and there's nothing worse. If you can guarantee it, it's the best way to go up, isn't it? But if if you lose, it's the worst. Yeah, it was horrible. The Blackburn, you know, because we didn't get to Wembley, that was a thing, and we should have. You know, we absolutely destroyed Blackburn in the first half hour. But I don't know. We just went. I don't know what it was. <laughs> we'll go straight on to Wembley actually, because it's because we talked about the thing of playoffs, but. Should Derby have won that day? Oh, yeah. Against Leicester, yeah, definitely. We were flying going into it, you know. We had a great end of the season. We we invested well in the squad. I've always said the, the squad that we had would have probably done better in the Premier League than it did in the Championship. We were up and coming. We were playing great football. We went into the game so confident. Not overconfident, but we were confident that we'd beat Leicester. Uh, Leicester just changed the system on the day, just launched it, Brian Little, and we'll go into this now about that he signed me. Uh, he's always said it was one game. It wasn't 46 games. He said it was one game. And best way to beat Derby that day was for me just to get the ball and launch it up the three big fellas up front. And they did. You know, we started well. Simo put a great ball over the top for us, managed to score. You know, we're, we're cruising. Then should have been a free kick on Martin Taylor. You know, uh, Jossie's on the line and couldn't get to it. And then when they scored, I think Hawksy had a chance. I had a couple of chances. Yeah, they should have been dead and buried. But no, you know. There was a. I remember there was a big chance for you quite early on before you scored as well, wasn't he? When I think did Gabbiadini pull it across and put it? Uh, on, yeah, put it across and that. Did I take it with me right foot? And yeah, I, on your right foot, yeah, and it just like went wide, yeah. Took it with me left foot. Mm. You know, I should have come across it and put it in with me left. But uh, yeah, I had one, and then I was clean through, and someone chopped us down, if I remember rightly. Uh, but yeah, we should have been out of sight, out of sight. 
do you think that's something that's changed in football now that there's a playoff mentality? Because the playoffs were still fairly new then and, and how people treated them. Whereas now, I mean, not Derby, I mean, Derby's last playoff final, I, I was a bit gutted with. They, they, they didn't go for it rather than because they, they went quite defensive. But now there seems to be a playoff mentality and people set up differently. Whereas then it was still quite new, wasn't it? It was quite new, but as I said, it, the money nowadays to get into the Premier League, you know, they say it's the biggest game in the world for one game, 100 and odd millions. Has uh, the mentality changed? We just went for it. When I was at Notts, we went for it in both games and the same against Leicester. Yeah, we, we didn't know any other way to go for it. Whether I was at the Derby QPR game, they should have won that. More in the playoff final when Bobby Zamora stuck it in the stones in the last minute. Yeah, I remember Johnny Russell had a couple of chances. I was right behind the goal. And Derby should have won that as well. Mm. Frightening. Uh, but I don't know. The, the, it's the, it's, I think the only thing more at stake is the money side of it. Mm. To be honest, Blake, uh, we didn't think about that. You know, It was just a case, right, I want to play in the Premier League. Uh, and as I said, we just went for it. There was no other way we were going to go anyway, because that's the only way we could play was to go for it. Uh, shortly after that, I think it was about six months later you left, but then also Jossie went and, and a few others went. Was that the end? Did you feel like it was a bit of an end of an era type thing? That, that you know, yeah. a couple of chances at it, Blackburn, then Leicester, and then was that kind of, it started to break up? Yeah, we, uh, after, that was the worst that was the worst day of my career on a football pitch, to be honest. You know, I, I remember I was crying, actually. Uh, I think I was stood with Jossie and I was just bawling my eyes out. And, and I think you'd think then, is that the chance gone? Uh, I'd been there a couple of years. I'd had one year left on my contract. And as I said, it's ironic. Brian Little was the manager who signed us. If we'd, stay, if we'd gone up, if we'd beat Leicester, we all would, I would, no hesitation in signing new contracts. You know, we're in the Premier League and that was the aim to do it. Uh, I think the gaffer Roy had been told that he probably had to start balancing the books a bit and getting rid of players. And, you know, I think I was probably one of the first ones, me and Charles, were the first ones to go. But as I said, it's ironic. The manager who ends up signing you was the one who, who beat you in the playoffs. So, if Derby had gone up, I would have stayed at Derby. They didn't, and I would never have ended up at Aston Villa. <laughs> Brian Little leaves Leicester to go to Aston Villa and then signs me in Chelsea. So I don't know what what do you call it. Do you call it fate? Do you call I don't know what what it is, but uh, obviously hard hearts deep down. I wanted Derby to get promotion, and then I wanted to stay with them. And as you've mentioned, I think it, we we all started probably to realise that. It would probably be a breakup with the team. Pem went, Pem went to Sheffield, I think. Kits went to Newcastle, as you mentioned. Jossie went to Coventry. Me and Charles, he left. You know, Shorty went. Uh, Shorty went to Everton as well. So, uh, and as I mentioned before, I think the gaffer was had to balance the books and get some money in because we hadn't got the promotion. Uh, it's funny I, I say about how things work out because I was thinking about how gutting the Leicester result was. But then if we won, that wouldn't have happened two years later, we wouldn't have had the like the Crystal Palace game last game of the season. And so it's kind of trying to rewrite history, isn't it? Well, you change one event, then the rest of football changes. It's frightening. Yeah. It is, it's, it's frightening. How, how, like, I'm just going on about my personal experience then. 
it's as I said, is it fate or luck or unlucky? How 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 do you want to how do you want to say it? it? Things happen for a reason, and the reason was we didn't get up. I ended up going to Villa. I think when I went to Celtic, the scout at the time, David Hare, ex-manager of Celtic and player for Celtic, was down at a derby game watching someone else when I was at Derby. As I said, I was only 21, 22. So eventually when I went to Celtic, he was still there, David. And he says, actually, first time I ever seen you was when you played for Derby. And we just thought it was too early for you then. First, mm. uh, And we've kept an eye on your career and all that. And then when I was, obviously, I went from Villa to Celtic. And, and I did, obviously, you don't know that. You know now because the agents tell you and it, or it's in the press or you've got, yeah social media people find out everything but i didn't realize then and then it was uh so that's strange do you know what i mean how i ended up at celtic they kept an eye on us from when i was at derby's 21 year old 22 year old incredible just before we get on to villa um i always ask on on social media for questions for for players before um before i interview them and one big one was people want to know about whether there was a, a obviously there was kitson and who you you mentioned good mates with and, and best man and gabbiadini and yourself Three chat. Was there ever a rivalry there? Because I know at the time there was no nothing. I wouldn't say rivalry. Uh, I want to personalities. Well, yeah, not between me. <laughs> I think it's well documented that Kits and Gabbers had a couple of falls out now and again, but that's football, isn't it? Played well together on the pitch. Uh, that's not a problem. Rivalry. I was, yeah, when I came, I was playing more as a winger, and, I, and as I got older. You know, I've seen myself more as a centre forward, and fortunately enough, I did get to play up front. You know, a lot more towards uh, the back end of my derby career and started scoring goals. Uh, but I always see myself as a centre forward at derby. It changed when I went to Villa and and then up the road. But uh, there's always going to be rivalry and there's always competition for places. But that's that's what you want, and it's down to you as an individual to show that you're the best and you deserve to be in the team. Connect Red are a Midlands-based telecommunications company with branches in Cannock, Derby and Burton-on-Trent in partnership with Vodafone UK. Our shops are currently closed due to the pandemic, but we are here to help in any way we possibly can. Get in touch with us for any of your tech and communication needs, consumer or business, and we can tailor individual packages and cater for multi-bundle deals too. Visit us at connectred.co.uk. That's C-O-N-N-E-K-T-R-E-D and drop us a message. Is it more so with strikers? If you're a striker, you're going to have that, you've got that selfish edge at times, haven't you? So this there's always going to be rivalry with strikers. From, from I'm, I'm a goalkeeper, so I ain't got a clue. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but from the outside, you always expect there to be a little bit of maybe even friendly rivalry. Yeah, but you could say that about centre-halves, you know, if you're, if you're not in the team, how are you going to get in the team? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an inner thing in yourself. We go back probably now to our days and we're on about today's footballers and some of them don't play any games. Mm. Any games. And they're not bothered if they're playing or not. We were, God, we were raging. We weren't playing. Absolutely raging. And it was down to us as individuals to get back into the team. Yeah. You know, there wasn't this squad rotation and all that they have now. 
it was a it was a case, right? What am I going to do? I need to get back in this team, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to be playing reserves all the time. So, uh, I just need to ask you again about uh, the Millwall game in the semis. We we kind of skipped over. Well, I skipped over it when we um, we spoke about Wembley, but I watch that video quite often on YouTube. It always pops up, and it's absolutely. I can't get my head around it. That what was happening, and was it joking aside? Was it scary? Oh yeah. Melwell's fans are bonkers, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> the old, the old den, the uh, the changing rooms were behind the goal. So yeah, and so it was all just caged off. You had a little tunnel, and it was where it was just barbed wire and an offence, and the bonkers. They're so passionate. Do you know what I mean? And, and they just want to make you feel as unwelcome as it is possible, and. Obviously, we'd done half the job when we beat them at home. Yeah. This was in the new den now, obviously, when we played them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, 2-0 at home, we we played really well. You know, I think Sid scored and then I scored. And we'll go down and just said we were we were flying. Well, I mentioned it a bit about before we got to Wembley. We were confidence was so high, not arrogant. And we went down there, and I think we're 2-0 up after 20 minutes. Mm. And Cruising, that was it. It was game over. We, uh, and then they started invading the pitch. I was all right because I was always on the halfway line, so it was quick for me to get off, and I was quite quick then. I was about to say you wanted the quicker players, and also you straight <laughs> off. I think if it was now with the catchers, <laughs> it, it just and it, and it was sad, you know. It's sad. I know they were trying to get like they had a pop at Gary Charles, they had a pop at Jossie. You know what I mean? I think Martin Taylor got uh, turfed over as well. And I always remember, I still speak to Colin Gibson and see Colin Gibson quite a bit from Derby. And we uh, always mentioned that the fact that I think they didn't leave. The Radio Derby car got turned over, didn't it? Yeah. And we didn't leave the ground till midnight, easy, one o'clock in the morning. But it was, uh, yeah, it was quite intimidating. But when you're actually out on the pitch, you don't really think about it. It's just when you see 100 Millwall fans running at you and you think, oh my God, better get off yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, what, what struck me was the, the fact that they have to they have to sub Charlesy and Jossie off because they're getting targeted as black players. Yeah. It's only 27 years ago. That still is like... Frightening. I know it was frightening. So uh, as I mentioned before, they had the, you know, they the, the got the brunt of it, which is totally, totally out of order. And uh, Gaffer brought a pair of them off. Lucky. Very lucky, weren't they? <laughs> I wish he'd brought me up. <laughs> was you looking at looking at the board thinking, please be my number, please be my number? <laughs> I think the ref gave us actually the nod. He, he was like, right, I'm going to blow. Next time yeah. the ball goes out or whatever, I'm blown. So we were already halfway off the pitch. Oh, wow. Incredible. So you signed for you signed for Aston Villa in in the Premier League at that point, and and it's a brilliant Villa squad, isn't it? That some of the names that you you go on to play with at Aston Villa in the Premier League it was just another step in my progression, Blake. Yeah. You know, I always said it. No disrespect to any club, you know, Notts, and then to Derby, and then Derby going into the Premier League with Villa. As I mentioned, it would have been great to get in with Derby, but it just wasn't to be for one reason or another. And then you know, in Aston Villa, that sport of Brian Little. Me and Charlesy and Premier League won the cup a couple of years ago. Big Ron Atkinson had done really well, and then they struggled a bit. And then the gaffer came in, and you walk into the dressing room, 
And you're like, wow, Paul McGrath, Andy Townsend, Ray Houghton, Steve Staunton, Kevin Richardson, Nigel Spink, European Cup winner. And you're going, here we go, this is it now. Yeah, <laughs> you know the big time. Yeah, you've got to produce. <laughs> you've got to produce. Never, no time settling in and all that. This is it. And they paid, obviously, a lot of money for me and Charles here as well. So, And the gaffer... He was uh, he was changing things there. He wanted to bring a lot more, and no disrespect to the, the lads I've just mentioned, a lot more younger players in, and start again. Big Ron had had a, a an an aging squad, shall we say, more experienced, and the gaffer wanted to bring younger players in. He brought me and obviously Charles E. Drapes, Kate Mark Draper came in, Alan Wright, Savo Milosevic, mm. yeah, signed Gal Southgate. Uh, and to go with a mix that they'd already had there, like Hugo Eggio, God rest, and Yorkie, Mark Bosnich. So it was a great squad. And two and a half years there, I think I was. And we finished fourth and fifth in the league. We won the League Cup. We got the semi-finals of the FA Cup and we played in Europe. Wow. Brilliant. So as I said, it was just like another progression, another step on the ladder. Uh and I've done a, actually done a podcast for Villa the other night, so going through everything, you know, when I was at Villa. And and, and, and as you've mentioned, some stellar names there, big top international players there. Uh, one, another one, with D- Dean Saunders. You would have played up front with, with Dean Saunders and the Derby yeah, legend. I went in in the Jan- January, yeah. And G- we played together till the, end of se- till the end of season, yeah. Did you learn, well, lo- learn a lot of him? Oh, yeah. Mm. Great character. He was a great character. And he just used to look at his runs, you know, study. He just had this knack and he knew where the net was. Workaholic and a great lad as well. Funny. Oh my gosh, he was so funny. Uh, and, a, and a great player. Yeah, God, you don't have the moves that he had by being bang average. Um, one, the first name you mentioned is my number one target for the podcast. Um, I, he, I'm nowhere near getting him. I don't think I will, but Paul McGraw, just how, how good was... Was he because the stories I've I've heard about even at Derby not training but still putting man of the match performances in on a Saturday was he was he that good? Yeah, everyone says it was one of the best. It was the best one of the best players you played with in, in the Maccas up there without a shadow of doubt. You know, before as a defender, obviously when I went to Celtic, the best player was uh, Henrik Larsson, but Maka was unbelievable. Two dodgy knees, just used to go on the exercise bike every day. On a Friday, we'd be doing little five-a-side and set pieces. So we'd come out for that, and that would be him. And and play the game as if he had a cigar on. Mm-hmm. His reading of the game was unbelievable. Very quiet man in the dressing room, didn't say much. Gentleman. But how he done it, I'll never know. I'll would he have been better if his knees were all right? Who knows? And, and he trained every day. You just don't know. It might have gone the opposite. It might not have worked out. It might have been <laughs> perfect for like that. But he was unbelievable. I've, uh, I've heard stories. Obviously, he had his, his battles with drink and stuff and still playing games like after after a night, after a big night and still getting man in the match performances. So that's got to be some some class about him to still be able to perform. Oh, he was frightening, yeah. Obviously, it's been well documented. Yeah. as well about his problems, but uh, once he got out onto the pitch... That was he, it, just a different animal. Good luck. He was so strong as well. So strong. Did you have a, you had a good relationship with the gaffer there as well, didn't you? Brian Little. 
Yeah, Brian Little, yeah. Quality. Yeah. yeah. He was uh, he was different class, you know, I still speak to him quite regular. And not at the minute, obviously, because of the pandemic, but going down to the games at Villa, he's an ambassador there now. And uh, yeah, great relationship. When I was going to Celtic, he rang us up. Uh, and he said, I need, I was actually at Mark Draper's uh, house. And we just sat, you know, I think we'd had a day off and he rang us up and he said, I need to see you tonight. And I thought, oh God, what have I done, Gaffer? You know, I haven't done anything wrong, honest. <laughs> I said, I haven't. He said, no, I need to see you. So I went over and just, and he, and he, and I've seen him since and I've done other things for Villa. And he's always said, he says, I had this relationship with Tommy that I had to tell him, I had to tell him that Celtic would come in for him. And it was down to him whether he wanted to go or not. And I just went round his house. He lived about half an hour away. And uh, we just sat and talked and talked. And and, and that's the kind of bloke he is to me. He's like a father figure. And he just said, I, I had to tell you that they were interested. And what are your feelings? What are you thinking? And all that. So it was, uh, it was class of him. It's purely footballing reasons then to go to Celtic, just to go in and... Yeah, yeah. I, anyone who knows us, play, you know, I wasn't money orientated. I still am not. It's uh, mm. don't get me wrong. I've had a had a great career, mm. but all my decisions were yeah, football motivated. Shall I say? Uh, I wasn't playing regular at Villa. I had a great time there. You know, I was play, I had a free role to be honest. Mm. You know, Savo and Yorkie were playing up front, and I could do what I want when I was playing. Uh, but I just thought Celtic history, fan base, different country. You know, I'd still lived in Nottingham, you know, uh, for all the clubs that I'd played for, not Starby and Villa. I'd still lived in the same area in Nottingham. So I was 27 and I thought, I'm, I, I, you know, you're guaranteed to play in Europe every year. It's one of them. The fans, the stadium. And I thought, I've just got to go, you know, I'm, I'm, said before it was probably one of the few teams that I would would have went to by leaving Villa because uh, I didn't have to the gaffer was offering us a new contract he was saying stay if you want you know I will give you a new contract and deep down I just says I've got to go if I don't go I'll regret it for the rest of my life you know and it it was a long road to be fair the four and a half years there I had a few injuries and you know managers who I didn't get on with who I wouldn't call gaffer <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then it turned out all right in the end when we won the treble. So it was, uh, you know, I wouldn't have changed it. You can't change it, you know. Yeah. You know, people say, should you have stayed at Villa? No, I would, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd loved it there. I enjoyed my time there. But when Celtic came calling, yeah, it was it was uh, one I couldn't turn down. Is it true that you, that you got offered to come back to Derby before you went to Celtic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I suppose, did you uh, think about it? I did, yeah. Just out of, you know, respect to Jim Smith and Steve McLaren. Uh, Derby was struggling in the Premier League at the time. You know, they were near the bottom. Whether they, I know they avoided relegation at the end, but I just felt, you know, I'd been there. I'd been to Derby. Uh, I, was at, I was stable at Villa. And as I said, no disrespect to Derby, but they were struggling near the bottom. And I thought... Worst comes to the, I'm quite a confident lad, and I would I would have thought they would have got out of it, but there is that nagging doubt that if they do go down and 
you know, you're back in the championship, which I didn't want. And I'd been to Derby before, and they always say you should never go back. Whether that's true or not, I'm not so sure. But uh, I just felt I needed, you know, I just said, no, I'm going to stay at Villa. And then the next thing is, Celtic come in, so it was a bit, <laughs> a bit of a frantic few weeks. But that was nothing against Derby or Jim Smith or Steve McLaren. It was just, uh, I just thought, no. So, at Celtic, you scored the winning goal to to win the league against St Mirren. Mm-hmm. That's got to be up there, hasn't it, as a, as a best moment in the career? <laughs> well, Tommy Burns had come in, the man who'd signed us, and then he'd left three weeks later, which was an absolute travesty. You know, it was, it was an absolute nightmare. You know, I just made the biggest decision of my life, and then the gap was gone. Uh, yeah, as I said, I've just mentioned before, the turbulent couple of years, and then Martin O'Neill came in. It was a breath of fresh air for me. You know, Tommy was still there. He was coaching. He'd come back from Newcastle, Kenny Dalglish. So that was great as well. And, you know, no one expected us to do anything that season. The gaffer come in. He's up there with a man management, but very astute, very, very bright, intelligent man. And he had great staff with John Robertson and uh, Steve Walford. And we just steamrolled it that year. We were... It was brilliant. I didn't play all the time, you know. We'd say we've got Chris Sutton and Henrik Larson, so I knew I wasn't going to be playing all the time. But we, we won the League Cup, and then, you know, I was fortunate to uh, score the goal that beat St Mirren, yeah. Uh, we won 1 0. I didn't want anybody else to score, to be honest. <laughs> so we won 1 0, and it was, it was brilliant. And then we won the won the uh, Scottish Cup as well to, to seal the treble that season, and it was. It's fantastic. After all the downs I'd had with the injuries and some of the managers, it was a, it was a great way to finish. I watched the, I watched the goal earlier. I thought it just got away. I didn't think it was the goal. <laughs> I thought it got away from you. <laughs> well, to be fair, I'd missed about three or four before then. And you're thinking, actually, is any of them going to go in? <laughs> and when Henry, Henrik laid us in, I meant to control it when we left. Obviously, I'm left-footed and it's just gone under me foot. And you're like, oh, my God. And then, luckily enough for me, I know <laughs> it's just squirmed under the keeper. I think someone's on the line and tried to clear it, and it's gone in. So uh, it was just relief. Your celebration was a bit like, like you got away with it. Like, oh my god, I know. But then you just heard the crowd. The, the fans were brilliant, you know. And it was, uh, uh, to be fair, we missed a few more chances. And to be fair, the St. Mirren, they had a go second half. It was a bit, you know, I mean, whether we were on edge because we knew we'd. That was the day we were going to do it. and But fortunately, we did. I kept a clean sheet and we, we managed to win it. How good's Henrik Larson? Oh, how long have we got? <laughs> one of the best one of the best partners you've had up front. Oh, yeah, without a shadow. Yeah. Everything. Scored, he could score any type of goal. And for someone who was about five foot ten, he had some leap on him. Mm. Some leap on him. And... Strong, good defeat, quick, and as I said, could score any type of goal. Leaving leaving Celtic, I'll get on to one of my my first memory. Of you, I I had to learn about Tommy Johnson's career, but basically back to front as a Derby County fan because I was young when you were first here. Yeah. Well, mate, I went uh, I went down to Sheffield for a few months, didn't work out, and then we we just had our uh, daughter was young and then, which is twenty one now, so. That tells you how long ago. So uh, Bobby Williamson and Georgia Kilmarnock, 
it was about Christmas time. I'd come back and we'd still had my house in Glasgow, you know, missus and the, and the and obviously with the newborn. And Bobby says, do you want to, do you want to play? Do you want to come and play for us till the end of the season? And I went, yeah. You know, I, it was, I'd sat down with him. I just wanted to enjoy football again, Blake, and I hadn't enjoyed it at Sheffield. You know, it was, and I says, why not? I says, I'm, I'm 30, 31. I'm, I'm not going to be pulling up any trees. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, yeah. going, I'm not going back to the Premier League. You know, my injury record wasn't great. My knee and all that. But, uh, and I went, yeah, and I, I loved it. I loved it at Kilmarnock. Bobby left, went to Hibs, and then I think the TV TV deal had ran out and couldn't couldn't afford to keep us, and I was gutted. And then, as you said, I went down to Gillingham. Same, we're in the championship. Little Gillingham in the championship. Rod Wallace signed. It was just like the same as Notts County, just a, a family club. Mm. Uh, so I went there for three years and loved it. I did. I, you know, as I said, we've done really well. I think we finished 10th. 10th and 11th in the championship we'd be charting in the FA Cup you know I wasn't playing every week and I was I did have a few injury issues again but uh, no I loved it we were settled down there we had a house down there and then second daughter come along so it was uh, it was uh, I really really enjoyed it you came to Pride Park and, and scored for Gillingham against Derby that, is that one of the best goals you've ever scored That's the best yeah all right yeah, I think John O said Michael Johnson was playing, and he'd said to he's always said to us after he said, "Whatever you do, don't let him run. Don't give him get him on his left foot, and don't let him run at you because he'll just hit it, and you'll not know he's hit it." Something like that. And I just remember turning and running, and it, and it they were just backing off and backing off, and then I looked up and I and I know I meant to do it, and it was in the top corner. I was just looking there, and I just absolutely picked, and I caught it flush. Absolutely flush, and it is the best goal. I would love to see it again. I don't think I can, but I haven't got it, and I haven't seen it. I don't even know if it's on YouTube or whatever because it was that long ago. But it is the best goal that I've scored. It's not the most important one I've scored. Obviously, we've got the playoff games and Celtic and all that in Advilla, but uh, I it just it's, it was just one of them where I caught it flush, and it was at Pride Park as well. I was going to say, was it nice to come back to Derby and do that? Because you got a good. I still remember you got a good reception that night as well. Even yeah, though absolutely, yeah. I think the gaffer brought us off with a few mm. minutes to go, and you know the fans were really appreciative and uh, got a good round of applause. You know, and and, that, and I always said that to the gaffer at Julian and Hesse says, you know, thanks for that. <laughs> Even though I was probably knackered as well. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a good. It was a. Uh, it was a good. And Derby won, so they're going to be happy, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, of course, yes. Um, so yeah, obviously, yeah, you had a few more, a couple more clubs after that, but then retirement and, and getting into to what you're doing now. Did you always plan for life after football? Not at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> I had some time off to be honest, Blake. I, I think I retired, I got to 35, uh, and it was just okay. I was fortunate enough at the time, you know, I'd, I'd had a good career and and done okay financially. So I took a bit of time off. I think it was about 18 months. It was silly things, taking the kids to school, nursery, uh, going on holiday when you wanted. You know, it was not being regimented, like you've got to be in training for half nine, 
you get told what to eat, do you know? It, it's not that I complained. I never complained at all. It was the best life in the world. It was one of them, oh, I just chill now, you know? I can have a drink on a Friday night if I wanted one. <laughs> not that yeah. I ever, I'm never drunk in the house anyway, and I still don't. Uh, but it's, and it was just a time out. And then you get to the stage where, right, what are you going to do with the rest of your life now? Because you've got to do something. Yeah. And then I was fortunate enough to get back in the knots. But in them 18 months, it was just, no, it was complete chill time. Playing golf. As I said, I went skiing and stuff like that. I'd always wanted to learn to, to go skiing. And and then I got back into football again and I've been back in it ever since. <laughs> You started as, was it Kitman you went back in as? Was that just to get out of the house, basically? Oh, it was brilliant. Ian McCall and Charlie had got the job and Dave Kevin had gone into his assistant and both had, I used to clean Charlie's boots when I was an apprentice and they needed someone else and Knots were going through a bit of a tough time. They were struggling at the bottom of League Two. It was touch and go where they would survive then and all the players were washing the kit and I think Charlie come in and quite rightly just wanted to be a professional, no, more a more professional club, yeah. And 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 they said Charlie and Dave, we haven't got a kit man, and I well I'll do it. Oh, it doesn't matter to me, yeah. You know what I mean? So I just uh, I started being the kit man, and then I got me badges, my coaching badges, done all them, and just went to first team coach, and then I just progressed from there. Shortly came in as manager, and then. Lasted 14 games, which was an absolute disgrace. Uh, and then that was it from the coaching side. We left uh, and we got the boot. And I just got into the recruitment side. Uh, Sven, Sven Goran Eriksson, who come in at Notts County, he's yeah. direct football, gone to Leicester as manager. And I'd gone down to see him uh, and met Derek Vazakali, who was his assistant who's ironic now, works with Shorty at Oxford United and all that. So just said, do you want to do a bit of scouting? So that's how I got into that. Just progressed my scouting career. And yeah, I'm, I'm still doing it at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Any regrets? I always ask this at the end, over your, over your whole career, anything you regret? Blake, I was 14, playing football every day, up in the northeast, and then got a chance to be a professional footballer. Can't have any regrets. What happened happened. Injuries. Is it regretful getting injured? Yes, but you can't, I couldn't, you couldn't help it. It was one of them things. You don't mean to get injured, but uh, so if you had said to me at 16, when I first walked through the door in Notts County, you'd play 500 games, you'd scored how many goals, you'd play for England under 21s, and then reel off the clubs that I played for. No, none whatsoever. I'm the luckiest lad alive to be doing to, to do what I've done. And feel honest honoured and privileged to play for the clubs that I played for from start to finish and doing things like this you know I've been retired 15 years Gordon Bennett yeah I'm still doing podcasts and and stuff like that for various clubs and it's uh, no 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 regrets at all dear me do you still look out for Derby oh yeah definitely Mm -hmm. yeah I was there I think it was a boxing day I was there. It's obviously very difficult to get to the games at the minute. So I look out for all the clubs, to be honest, Blake, who I've played for. It's uh, just one of them things. And, you know, and I'm still in the area. So uh, it's a nice place to live. <laughs> Are you Nottingham? I am East Midlands Airport. So I'm 
I'm daft. I've got a Leicestershire council tax. I've got a Derbyshire postcode. <laughs> right on the triangle. I don't know what I'm classed as. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't read your address out. Um, uh, head of recruitment at Blackpool, you might be able to do us a favour. You, you don't need a goalkeeper, do you? <laughs> you Champy, Champy's looking for a club. <laughs> oh, I thought you were on about you. Oh, no, I'm, way, I'm gone. I'm, mate. I'm not making my money on this now. <laughs> stick to your day job. Can't be doing these badges because I've got to do as well. I'm a coach educator for Northern Ireland, the RFA, so can't be done his badges with us. So yeah. he must be getting on a bit now. Can't be, is he? Dear me. 36. Oh, he's still a bairn, isn't he? Yeah, because he's, he's just... for a keeper. I know, I know what he's like. <laughs> no, I mean, young for a keeper. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Go on. I'll, 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 we'll negotiate off there and I'll get 20% or something. Anyway, <laughs> he doesn't need a player now. He's got enough money. <laughs> nice one. I've really, really enjoyed it, uh, Tommy. And, and at the end now, what we do is um, Lee Carsley started it. It's called Pastor Mike. So you nominate someone you think you can get us in touch with X Derby that'd be good on the on the podcast. Do you think you reckon you'd you know anyone who'd have a good crap with us for an hour or so? Has Jossie done it? Jossie's done it. Yeah. Has he? Yeah. Quiet. Shorty's done it. No, but I've spoken to him and I think he might be doing it. Yeah, Chris Short. Martin Cool. Cooley, yeah. It's, I've got a picture of Martin Cool because um, he lived in Barrow on Trent near where my dad lived. Yeah. And he's got me as a baby in one hand and a pint of Guinness in the other. And the concentration on his face, he's staring at the pint of Guinness, not the baby he's holding. <laughs> Cooley wouldn't have wanted to drop these Guinness. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Cooley. Cooley be a good one. I'd like that. We text him the other day. I'm uh, just trying to think. I've got probably loads of me, loads of numbers in my phone. Obviously, you've done Rama, haven't you? Uh, I've not done well. No, not yet. It's a it's a long story. I mean, he's not been on yet. Oh, has he not? <laughs> he's um because to tell a long story short, I was number two in the in the charts last week for football podcasts, and Rama said he won't come on until I'm number one. You know what he's like. So we can see it was him who got you the number one. Well, I can... Cooley, I'll take Cooley if you can. If you drop Cooley a text, I'll take that. I'll leave it with us and there. All right. Have you enjoyed it? Brilliant. Good going back over. A lot of good memories. Just the odd bad one. Obviously the players. <laughs> but apart from that, no, no. It's good to reminisce. Speak about the lads and 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 who you played with and and you know, talk about the good times. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate an hour of your time. It's got a little bit more than I said, but I really appreciate it. It's been brilliant. No problem, Blake. Anytime. Cheers, thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.